Signs of the Southland, Monday, July 26, 2021. Mr. Grant, is it just me or have all of the Olympic swimming races so far been God tier competition this year? Well, I don't know if this is a, a perk or a minus, but the US, not quite its dominant past self. Which it's, like is, the, it's like the Aussies actually got their stuff together for once. Well, it, it's that. It's the team was really old in 2016. So a lot of these faces are new, which is a separate but also interesting conversation. And I had the depressing thought last night that we may never have the transcendent swimming moment again, quite like we did in 2008. But in terms of the- To be fair, I I agree on the point about the 08, because you're referring to the the four by 100 free real life for the men in 08. I know you're referring to that, but the four by 100 real life this year was still pretty high drama. Obviously not as high. Oh, I mean, that, that's the greatest race of all time. But I meant the every time Michael Phelps stepped in the pool chasing eight golds, it was most TV sets in America, or at least most sports-minded ones, tuned into Beijing, right? Well, it's also that – so I think the 13-hour time delay or time difference is also playing into it, right? Like right now – we were talking about this before we, we started recording – like I could stay up right now. We're recording this about 9 p.m. Eastern. I could stay up right now for USA women's water polo. Um, I think that the women's 5v5 basketball is on at around like 10 or midnight. Um, following the 5v5 is the 3v3. That's at like 3, like midnight 40. Um, and then it, and then at 4 a.m. Eastern is the women's soccer is the U.S. Women's National Team soccer final group stage game. And then at 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning, God, Slack sucks. At 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning is uh, uh, the softball gold medal game, uh, U.S. versus uh, U.S. versus Japan. Like, That's the up on too. I gotta say the problem with this. And I was talking about this in Discord with some other people. Is that one, the time difference sucks. Number two, it's that all of these events are live and you realize that they're live and there are places to watch them. So you will rather watch them live in a decentralized format rather than everyone tuning their TVs into NBC at 8 p.m. for primetime coverage like they did in Beijing. Which is different. It's a, it's a different way of watching. It kind of makes me think at a certain level that the internet has made watching the Olympics suck. Yeah. Because okay. not everyone is tuned into the same race at the same time. Because And, and also the primetime coverage for NBC also kind of sucks because they show stuff on tape delay that doesn't actually matter. Like yeah. We had gymnastics prelims going on instead of watching the live skateboard final for a lot of last night's coverage. Right. It, it, the parts of it, it, it's pros and cons. But I think the general thesis here is that the Internet has made watching the Olympics really suck. Yeah. And I don't know, like the fact that it's in the middle of the night, people go, well, I could have gotten it live. Why even watch now that I can see the final score? It. I'm not going to opine and be all back in my day or something like that, but you're, you're right. You're right. And 
And here's where I will take my my uh, resident. We didn't write these down on the shot sheet, so actually it's taken the the oh, internet has ruined the game. Five. And I'm about to go with the. I think it's shocking that baseball and softball are like these one-off trial sports when they keep adding things like surfing, um, rock climbing. They're adding taekwondo or not taekwondo, they're like cheerleading or something for 2024. And so it's I like, get it. Well, the it, thing is, I get it, right? No, 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 no. No, I, I will die on this hill. You'll die on it for sure. Is the what entire Western Hemisphere play these sports. You do not see many sports that are, frankly, quite as transcendent as baseball. And it is a, uh, not even Eurocentric, but a, yeah, it's a Eurocentric mindset of, of the IOC to say, hey, this sport isn't relevant when most of Asia and all of the Western Hemisphere, plus Australia, plus, you know, odds and ends here, you know, your Holland, Italy, whatever, um, oh, let me. There's a whole other discussion about a WBSC eligibility rules that I would love to get into at some point, but that is not topic du jour. I, also, the baseball bit that you're doing here is a great segue into our like preview topic today. We are previewing GT baseball today, but I need to get my kicks in because I do understand the IOC's stance with this. The IOC usually doesn't make sense. But in this case, they do. You have to build entirely new facilities or at least have existing facilities for baseball and softball. It is an added cost in countries that don't have existing baseball and softball culture. Well, and where is it next time? L.A. Yeah, I mean, bring it back for bring it like put it in the countries that have the culture. But don't like don't go to London and don't go to Rio and retrofit a soccer soccer pitch for baseball. It did not work that well in London. Well, then, but they could still do it. They could still do it. Doing, and, it, okay. and, doing and, it is one thing. Doing it well is another thing. Also, the softball competition in, in, in Tokyo, to be fair, is not being done particularly professionally. You have no, to admit that. No, I, I, I would agree. Um, yeah, just like on the retrofitted baseball diamond. It's, really it's so dumb. It's but, so dumb. But I, I will say, like, if you're going to say something like that, where are you going to go surfing in Paris in 2028? I think they're going to I learned but that today. They're going to Tahiti. Okay. Well, then do Olympic baseball in, you know, Boston when you're having a Dublin Games. I don't know. Uh, like, I, I, get, I, get what, I get your point. I'm not saying I don't get your point. I'm just saying that this one has like a that you, there's a direct linkage to the logic here because of the cost of building facilities and the cost of building facilities is already so high for these Olympics. You have to build new ones for half of these sports. Well, you know, you know what this all just begs the question. This all begs, right? No, I don't know where you're going with this. Just host the Olympics in the same place. So that way we can have more sports and nobody loses a hell of a lot of money. Yes. But where is the grift Jake? Where is the classic grift that we've all come to know, love, and hate from the IOC if you just put it in the same place every every four years? Are we really going to take the left turn into the 1904 Olympics were stolen from Chicago? Because we can do that, too. I no, can do that. We, we're already like 10 minutes into this, and we haven't even talked about our actual topic, and we have two of them to get to today. Oh. It might be a two-hour episode, people. Oh, we're doing another one of those again. I got a lot of good feedback from the last time we did one of those. That was a that was a fun time. 
we actually did get good feedback from that, but we're not here to toot our own horn. Uh, if you guys would like to give us feedback, though, uh, from the rumble seat at gmail.com, FTRS blog on Twitter, Jake Grant 98, and whatever the heck, uh, Akshay. Compliance at godtech.edu. Oh, or you, uh, <laughs> you, could, uh, you could send them to your app store uh, reviews, you know. Please don't. Not for the podcast, for the game. I haven't read those in a, in a long time, and I'd rather not. Uh, moving right along, like I said, we are going to talk about Georgia Tech baseball today, also a special topic later in the broadcast, but we will get there. Mr. Grant, every podcast is someone's first. Every podcast is someone's first. For the, for the Eurocentric among us, please describe the sport of baseball. And also, do not take long, because I know you'll try to get philosophical about it. I was about to say, well, it all began on a field in New Jersey in 18-whatever. No, um, baseball. We talked softball last week. Fundamentally, the two sports are very similar. Don't throw tomatoes at me, softball and baseball people. They're very similar. You have a stick. You hit a ball. The pitching delivery is very different. The size uh, of the baseball. uh, The arm mechanics is uh, smaller. Um, Baseball played on fields, 90 foot bases, uh, usually dirt around the base paths, but not through the middle like softball pitchers pitch from a raised mound. That is currently a little bit of controversy. Uh, Uh, TLDR, come on, TLDR. Uh, Field dimensions, uh, gosh, ranging from 320 in the corners at the minimum to 420 plus in center field. That's a big range, but basically uh, batter hits ball uh, and advances around the bases. If it is struck, is that the uh, every podcast is someone's first? Yeah, I think, I think that'll do. I think right. that'll do. Right. One, one thing I'll note, because I do think it's kind of interesting is that there is, if I remember correctly, there is a U.S. national women's baseball team. Yeah. They don't play games often, but there is a like a, a pretty sizable contingent of female baseball players, and not just like not just shunted over into softball, but like playing baseball, baseball. Um, Have you uh, seen the movie A League of Their Own? Okay, well, I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to modern day. Well, yeah, but I'm still saying like that was a baseball league. That wasn't a softball league. Yeah, extenuating circumstances, though, in that case. But still, the point, I mean, I think both of our points stand here. Yeah, for sure. Um, One thing to note about baseball uh, versus softball, traditionally baseball does have very irregular uh, fields. Softball being, I guess, a little bit newer, but also just a little bit, I guess. Less staunchly traditional. Yes. um, Softball has more, you know, quarter pie slice looking fields. Baseball, uh, you get uh, a lot of ortho- not orthogonal lines, uh, straight lines, uh, weird angles in the outfield, um, and also foul territory. So yeah, that, uh, it doesn't really come into play. I would say it doesn't really come into play that often in the, at the college level. I think college ones. It depends where you are, really. Like uh, Durham Bulls Athletic Park, where Duke usually plays. Like they have the Blue Monster. That kind of affects. How, how they roll, um, but that's more of like a stylistic decision than really anything that, that, that is determined by geography. Like, I mean, for Fenway Park, like that thing is a bandbox because of the streets that it was built, the, the, like the corner that it was built on, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 
the polo grounds too were the same way. So, um, and the polo grounds don't exist anymore, but I digress. Um, but that's, but that again, like the, the field dimensions being weird are mostly a pro baseball thing. Yes. Um, I will say at tech, cause that is the next thing on our list. They play at Russ Chandler stadium, uh, colloquially. Well, it's McNeese baseball park at Russ Chandler. I forget stadium. that they redid the name, but I don't want to use the new name, even though someone very generous paid for it. I was going to say the colloquialism, uh, the Rusty C, uh, Russ Chandler, uh, believe, uh, based on our, uh, resident baseball historians that uh, that sometimes are at the park, that it comes from the rusted nature of the bleachers pre-2003 renovation. Um, Georgia Tech has played baseball on that site really since they purchased Rose Bowl Field after uh, winning the Rose Bowl in 1928. That, uh, along with the now-constructed Brock um, indoor for football, immediately uh, down the left field line, I think kind of track was also on that lot, technically. Yeah, um, but, it, but it's what forces uh, Russ Chandler's uh, interesting field dynamics. You have to wedge it into basically three streets, uh, two football fields, and uh, I guess the, the groundskeeping space out in center field. Um, before that, uh, actually, Bobby Dodd, what is now Bobby Dodd Stadium, Grant Field, was a multi-use track, football, and... Uh, and baseball facility. So, yes, longtime home of Tech on the corner of uh, what is that? Fowler and First, Fowler and Fifth. I don't even know what you call uh, that. Crud. Fowler and like, where does Fifth become first? That's my question. I'm Google it. I'm gonna Google it. Hold on. <laughs> this is a question I wonder a lot. On first drive, and it, it's got to be first and Fowler. Okay. Technically, well, the first and Fowler would be the, the right field corner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the corner that I most associate with the stadium. Yeah. I really mean, there's good. no other corner on a street. Exactly. Um, in terms of the stadium in general, it was actually just renovated this past year. Um, it was not open until very late in the season for single game tickets for non-season ticket holders. Because, that's a whole you know, uh, we don't need to get into. Um so many of you, we realize, probably have not seen it yet. That includes you, doesn't it? Yeah, I haven't been over there yet. Well, I think I've seen it with mine eyes, but not inside. Yeah. Um, having been in there, uh, I was lucky enough to be a student last spring, so I caught a couple games. Uh, the mm -hmm. renovations are very nice. Uh, I have not seen the pitching tunnels or anything like that downstairs, but the event space, the new concession stand, and the second-level sky deck with the view of the skyline are quite excellent. And I think it makes what is uh, probably, if not the best, one of the best stadiums in college baseball, even better. Um, so yeah, Georgia Tech definitely has a wonderful place to play uh, if you have not been. Okay, right. so just a couple more notes from Wikipedia because uh, Wikipedia is a fantastic resource for random history. Uh, it, Like we said, it was on, it was constructed on Rose Bowl Field. They put in a, um, uh, because, Fifth Street had to be extended. Uh, they tore down a permanent grandstand uh, in 1971, the original permanent grandstand, and rebuilt yep. it. Uh, they added lights in 1983. Uh, the stadium only had those that bleacher seating for another two years after that. Uh, those lights were installed, um, and then it was 
rebuilt uh, for the centennial year in 85 uh, with mostly aluminum. That's how it got the rusty C name. And then it was torn down and entirely rebuilt in 02 with the now uh, more notable uh, brick and less aluminum. Uh, and then, like we said, it was there was a phase one renovation, I think, in 11 or 12 uh, that I forget which part of the stadium that that hit. But I think that was more the locker room uh, and the underground parts of the uh, underground parts of the clubhouse. Uh, and then when they did phase two this past year, they added the more consumer oriented stuff uh, and then a couple more of the analytics, uh, you know, uh, MLB player locker rooms and champions hall and all that stuff with, uh, um, with, with this renovation. They definitely lost some uh, seating capacity, but I oh, think absolutely. for, uh, for, you know, more premium, more space for pitching and development. And also fire codes must've changed or something like that. Cause there's now a much, uh, more sizable gap between the end of, uh, the stadium and the Brock, I believe it's probably about double that. I don't have a good, uh, I didn't go out there with a tape measure or anything, but um, where the, uh, where the old uh, tunnel batting tunnel used to end towards that, the Brock. That old big at big Hill where uh, um, that was right in left field is now gone. The, that's all now the new bullpen and training area. Yeah. Uh, so if you remember, if you've if you've seen the stadium on TV, or if you remember going to it in the last couple of years, um, down the foul line, right at the tip of the foul the foul line, uh, is used to be a massive knoll that is all now gone, replaced with an actual bullpen, an actual like two lane bullpen. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a lot of nerdy stadium talk. Let's let's move on. Tell me about the championship structure for those that don't know. Honestly, pretty similar to softball again. Uh, except Literally the exact same. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say the ACC tournament structure is much different. Uh, some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, four pools, three teams. Uh, basically, it's a round robin in the pools. The tiebreaker, if teams what? go one and one, is the top seed advances. It's so the it's dumbest great. tiebreaker ever. It is the Ooh. dumbest tiebreaker ever, and it has bailed us out at least once, I think. Including this year, right? Yeah, including this year. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's pretty dumb. But uh, top four teams, one from each pool. Basically, if you're not the top seed, you have to go 2-0 is the gist you get there. Um, but then they play a mini four-team bracket. It basically ensures every team gets two games instead of uh, teams only being assured one game. So, you know, coin, uh, coin flip on that. Um, top four teams play a little bracket. Um, in terms of the NCAA tournament, 64 team bracket regional uh, is four teams, double elimination. Then a super regional, it's a three game series, best two out of three. Then that repeats again in Omaha for the College World Series. And then the championship uh, regionals are at the sites of 16 selected teams. Uh, Tech last hosted in 2019, they went to Mandy in 2021. And uh, the super regional is at the site of the higher uh, national seed. Of the two uh, of the two seeds that remain if both are national seeds. So yeah, that'd go to like the three, if it was the three in the, what would three play? The three would play the 14. Yeah. The 14 advanced. Interestingly, this year we had two non-national seeds uh, make a super regional 
but uh, because uh, it was COVID, uh, it was in South, it was at South Carolina, wasn't it? Yeah, so the, so the super regional sites had to be pre-selected out of a group of 20. The regional and super regional sites were pre-selected out of a group of 20. So the, you had a weird situation where South Carolina was hosting a regional and I think it hosted a super regional, but they lost in the regional. Like they were not the one seed in that regional. I think it was uh, ECU was the, I thought it was ECU. Or maybe they played it. Maybe Virginia then played the super regional. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Virginia, no, Virginia beat Dallas Baptist to advance out on a walk-off to advance out of the regional. Uh, but it was host, it was all hosted by South Carolina, but they were the two seed in that regional. So yeah. it, it like, I, I think 2020 or 2021, um, they're going to be outlier years for the format. Uh, we're probably going to return to a normal national seeds, host regionals and super regionals format next year. Um, I don't really, uh, barring extenuating circumstances, I do not see the pre-selection happening again. Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, that was pretty universally panned, especially because, you know, teams like uh, Virginia, who came out on a, on a real hot streak to end the year, Georgia Tech, who won the Coastal, obviously, um, were basically out of it, um, you know, halfway, they didn't get halfway through the year for mosting, you, you know basically couldn't be a top 16 team. Um, speaking of regionals, uh, do we, are we going to unpack this? Cause uh, do we want you know. to, because this is a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. Okay. So let's text recent history in, in postseason play 2021. We'll, we'll go back reverse chronologically 2021. Very weird season cap ended by almost beating Vanderbilt twice. Yes. And this is, I have this later on in my notes, but this is a Georgia Tech team, and we're talking about recent history, so we can talk about it. 2019, basically top to bottom, pretty stacked, not a lot of Possibly one of the best Georgia Tech teams to set, like like one of the most complete teams, at least, that we've seen. But to contrast that, 2021 was, I think, probably fairly seen as a somewhat fundamentally flawed baseball team, yes? Oh yeah, they're like <laughs> very, very flawed. They're like they're hitting pretty good, but could, bats could go quiet. They won a lot of games with some late heroics, including memorable walk-offs. Uh, Not sustainable. Yay! Against Clemson, one against Louisville in the ACC tournament, and tying it back into the regional, uh, nearly beating Vanderbilt. Not once, but twice. Uh, both games were. One one run losses, one in extra innings. Uh, Vanderbilt extra inning one got out of hand as soon as uh, as soon as the bullpen got super involved. Yeah. Um, um, which, again, I think if, when we start talking about uh, the questions that we have for this year and what to watch for, though, that'll come back into play. But I, I think but, the, the thing go, they go took the it. national runner up uh, to the death twice, uh, and this is still a team that was seen as hey what did they miss it you know so yeah it it could have been a lot better is i think the is it really the story when you talk about the program's recent history um but 2021 we kind of have to toss aside 2019 they got walked off in the first uh winner's bracket game uh versus auburn um we were all there it was very fun to watch 
Um, there, I remember there being a lot of debate whether Connor Thomas should have still been in for those last couple of outs, but you know, I don't think that's something you can legislate two years, uh, two years as in the past, um, or two years in the future. Um, but they, you know, they still made it back to that regional final, but the bats just went cold and, um, they lost to Auburn. Auburn ended up, I think, making it to the CWS that year. Oh, no, 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 no. They got beat in their super regional by UNC. UNC made it to the CWS. I think that's what happened. I think it's the inverse of that, but it doesn't really matter because they did beat us in a weird, heartbreaking, tragic fashion. So Yeah, it was very Atlanta sports. Um, and then the, the years before that, Tech kind of was in the wilderness to say. Yes. Yeah. They made – they missed the tournament entirely, like three out of four years. Um, we really pinned our hopes, I think, both of us on that 2019 team is sort of breaking that streak and breaking through, and it, it paid off technically. Um, but at the same time, if you look at their history over the last 20 years, the last time that Tech advanced out of a regional was the last time that they made it to the to Omaha, to the College World Series, and that was 2006. Yep. And, it's been 14, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and at the clip that they're recruiting, especially more recently, things should be a lot more productive. We can, we can paint our hopes and dreams on when we talk about specific contributors, but it is worth noting that Georgia Tech uh, has had a recent conference championship. That's 2014. That was Maryland's last competition in any ACC sport uh so sent them out of the conference with an L um that was a under not not underrated but a, a they weren't the one seat we'll say in 2014 so definitely underdog more or less uh was not expected to win the crown that year um Georgia Tech does have the uh I believe either second or third most conference second, title. and I'm pretty sure FSU has an absurd number yeah we've got we've got nine I think um not well it again it depends on how you count it regular season conference tournament potato potato um yes uh 2017-18 squandering talent i think was also kind of a theme there joey bart went second overall um we can uh we can unbox that a little bit too but the point is tech has never um really well, we've been to the College World Series twice. We have this perception as being a baseball. Sorry, three times. Twice under Hall is what I meant to say. We have this perception of being a pretty baseball school. We're relatively consistent, but a lot like golf, we've never really broken through. Uh, we've always recruited pretty well, but have never really hit the uh, big jackpot. So, sir, I think the important question to ask is, can we do it next year? I love having our most pertinent question be next year, question mark, question mark. My guy, I'm, I'm a born and raised Cubs fan. That's what I was born to ask. Sounds like you're a Georgia fan. Anyway, um, <laughs> I had to get the quip in there. Let's talk about who could really put that next year run together. English is hard. Um, on the shot sheet here, we have a, couple actually like a very long list of players that are i would say i mean it's not an old team it's definitely like that mid mid class not upper not a lot of lower classmen not a lot of upperclassmen but that definitely like 
you have a lot of sophomores and juniors by eligibility on this team. So they have two years to cycle through plus the COVID year, right? If you're counting that. So you're talking about Kevin Parada, Treskin got that Tres Gonzalez um, Parada at, at the catcher spot. And he was part of the USA baseball college national team this year. He was that good. He was also amazing at the play. I think he was uh, on the freshman, all freshman team as a, as the catcher as well. Um, yes. Had, uh, yeah. I will say all these guys technically get that, that COVID year Parada. That means we could see four more years of him. That's not going to happen. No, Until no, he's gone. Right We're getting two more years of him at best. Yeah, we're like Kevin Prada is gone. As soon as that draft year comes around, he is off to hopefully Cobb County and the local baseball team. I'm knocking on some wood here, but he he he's a stud. Georgia Tech great with catchers. Need to find another one. We needed. We're at the point. We had another one. <laughs> Henry Ford is a catcher, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Had uh, another one, and then the who signed him? I can't remember, but he went over slot, I think, too. So. I think it was the Pirates. Um, dang. Um, but no, yeah. Georgia Tech, great history recently of catchers. Uh, Kevin Parada just needs to keep doing what he's doing. And honestly, another year or two, maybe three if something weird happens and he decides, hey, that, that tech degree is what I need. Um, that, that is a position that's locked down. Good. Um, I feel I safe. I feel safe at catcher and also with his bat in yeah. the lineup. Yeah, um, for sure. Doubles. Justin Dallas was really good in the outfield. Um, I know he had a couple flubs here and there, but you know that's just statistics. That's just you, you know, a lot too. Yeah. He, he's got a good eye for pitches. Can't complain about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquise Grissom, after some injury concerns uh, the first half of the year, came on pretty strong near the end. He had, he had a pretty, he had a couple of pretty good postseason starts too. Yeah, uh, for a kid who was basically thrown into the fire coming off an injury, uh, a kid who came in with a decent amount of hype. I mean, that comes with the name uh, when you are your father's namesake and your your father playing in Atlanta, like that. That, that just kind of happens. Um, again, uh, definitely. Um, this is a pitching staff last year that saw a lot of turnover from the previous season or two. And uh, they're, they frankly kind of, I guess, need that, need that leader, especially with uh, Archer is going to Hawaii, right? Yeah. So, Archer, Archer transferred to Hawaii. Um, who else on that staff has left? Is Herder coming back? Herder's been around for a long Herder time. Herder may have. I think he got drafted. Yeah, We're so good at this podcast thing. Preparation is our strong suit. Um, yeah. But it, it's still a bit of turnover. I think any way you slice it, the starting positions are still up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even, I mean, even if Herter was here and he was healthy and he was here, I think you're still looking at all three rotational positions up for grabs. Well, our, our, our notes in the sheet here say Court Rodig back from the dead. Like he should mark. He's a, he was a pretty meaningful contributor, a, a midweek starter on the 2019 team. And he's still, he's still got eligibility left too. Like it, it's, it's a middling-ish, young-ish team, but like there's still these names that have been around a long time. The, the team's in a, in a weird place in that there's a lot of known quantities, but it's like, like the ceiling is still there. I feel like I, 
but correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, no, no. I think I get what you're saying. I think with court is that I, I don't know if we've seen, there's the whole, I, I can't remember the exact Dennis green quote that everyone memes from a, a Cardinals press conference. Oh, it's, they are who they are, who we thought they were. I don't know if that's the deal with court because I think the control we, we mentioned in 2019, he had some control issues. You would see that flare up, and I think it especially flared up in the in the ACC tournament game um, versus UNC, where he would just complete. I, I don't know. It's not the yips, but it's just a like he could not hit the strike zone for a couple batters. Um, it happened again in long stretches in um, in twenty twenty one, and that's why you saw him, you know, relegated to back to back to more of a bullpen role. If he can get that control back with a normal offseason, I think he's still in the mix here. It's just that those control issues, it's it's not just him with the control issues. I was going to say, I'm going to be frank here. That is up and down the roster. I mean. They have a lot of good speed. Like, let's be clear. The power is there from the mound. The, the, the spin yeah. rate, some of the analytics-y stuff that you talk about when it comes to – when it comes to pitching is there, it's the, just the, the control. There's something with the control that has just, it, it's, it's befuddling for someone that has not played the sport at a high level, especially like it is befuddling. Yeah. I, sorry, I was editing our notes a little bit because we kind of uh, are taking detours all around the returning contributors page. Um, but in terms of other stuff on the mound, uh, Luke bartnicky has been, would you say, our our go-to reliever, if not one? I mean, you see, I mean if you're last... looking at for shutdown closers, yeah, it's um, not it's not completely slam the door shut for him. I think he's he's had a couple up and down outings here and there, but late on in that season, I think when we were discussing these games live, you were like, okay, out of the bullpen, out of how many <laughs> guys are in there. Bart Nicky, please save us kind of deal. Like, I don't want I don't want to brag too much on, on the bullpen. Like I they're I'm I'm sure they're all great guys, but some of the out there, man. Um, the performances no. were a little a little inconsistent, but Bart Nicky was someone, especially late on, especially as you got into the postseason, he was consistent. He was slamming the door shut. I'm about to do something dangerous. Oh god. I'm going to project what I want to happen onto two players, which is incredibly dangerous, but we're going to humor me here for a second. Zach Maxwell plus control. Bart Nicky consistency. That's a pretty good eighth, ninth inning pair. Uh, Obviously you can't throw that every game, but if, if the two of them can, both be consistent and have control. I, I think Maxwell would, in particular, would be one of the hardest kids to hit. I, I really, I'm, I'm telling you, like it's not just for meme reasons, but I really want Maxwell to figure out this control thing because yep. the dude, the dude can spin it. Like he's, he's tossing some flame out on the mound, but he just cannot. Like, he just could not find the strike zone in the postseason. He was, it was just, I, I'm trying to be a, like more positive 
with the with, in more constructive with the criticism. I hope that his time in Chatham, Chatham, whatever the the summer league team has has helped. Like because and I've heard he's had some good outings. So like I'm looking for that progress in in 2022. Yeah, we we need some field correspondence out in uh, out in Cape Cod, but um, we have one technically, but uh, you know. Um, what was I going to say? No, I, I think one thing we can also agree on there is some of the things the announcers say about this guy weird me out. Like, it's not a fair thing. I've been sitting on that all year. Like they just toss out a new nickname and I'm just kind of like, why? It's not. Okay. So to be clear, it's like ACC network announcers. It's not, it's not the hometown radio. It's not like, any of the home guys doing the broadcast, it's not Demetra or Wiley. It is like the ACC network uh, baseball duo that keeps coming up with newer and stranger names. Like, I, I swear, there's just like a brainstorming session. It's like, all right, what are we going to call these guys? They need baseball player nicknames. You know, like they're going to get something for Parada, but the one that just, they're like, all right, we just, they got to pivot away from Zach Maxwell and be like, all right. We got to get one for Bart Nicky. We got to find one. The big hunk of sugar. The big hunk of sugar, Jake. They called him a donkey, too. Yeah, that one was a little more questionable. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe I'm, I've got a voice for podcasts, not a voice for radio. I'll put it like that. God, you set up a joke so well right there. And I'm going to ignore it for now. Um, I I think we shouldn't ignore the, uh, the hitting. And, and I say hitting in particular because Jenkins, Compton, and Reed stick out. Uh, that, that would be Andrew Jenkins, uh, Drew Compton, and Stephen Reed uh, stick out in my mind, uh, mostly for their prowess at the plate, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. I mean, was it Compton that had multiple game-saving home runs yes. in the postseason? <laughs> you can't, I don't think we could ignore that. The dude was on fire during the regional, and he, he kept Tech in – in that Vanderbilt, that second Vanderbilt game twice, he yep. hit a he hit a game tying home run in the what the ninth and the bottom of the ninth, and then again I think somewhere in the eleventh. That game went fourteen innings. Yeah, I'm. I mean, he, he also had a car too. I think so. You know. <laughs> oh, I saw. I remember that. I think that was the one of the first regional games, though. Yeah, that was that was out to right field. People don't park your drive, cars there. Don't drive past the rusty seat during a baseball game. Don't, don't park your car him. right outside of a baseball stadium during the game. Uh, obviously, the regional game was not at Russ Chandler, but honestly, their street layout, pretty similar to Georgia Tech with the right field line situation. Except, you but, know, having a parking lot right out, right out in right field. Well, their, their third base concourse is literally the football stadium. So we, we, could, we could go in the rabbit hole on that architecture if we wanted to, too. But I think God. that's probably a story for another time. Um, Let's see. Uh, I, I think in terms of returning contributors, obviously uh, corners, outfield, uh, catcher, pretty pretty decent options. Um, we can talk breakout potential and incoming folks um, for the middle infielders. But I, I don't think you can say, all right, Marquise Grissom, Luke Bartnicki, uh, and Zach Maxwell – all right, we're going to give you some freshmen and let's ride. Like there needs to be some improvement from, you know, the, the 
extraneous other pieces in our bullpen and our potential starting rotation, um, Dalton Smith, Hugh Chapman, Chance Huff, which all, all had their moments, right? So mm. it, it's really a matter of who can uh, who can do. And 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 obviously with COVID, it's a little bit tougher to project the rosters and the extra year and, and whatnot. So the extra I, year, we've the, talked about this with with other sports. The extra year is roster management hell for some of these coaches. Oh yeah, especially or, with what like you only have uh, eight point three scholarships to pass 11. around for baseball. 11.7. Okay. Well, one of the sports is 8.3. The, um, what was I going to say? Um, but yeah, no, and, and you can extend it to any other sport like Josh Passner waiting on that phone until the last possible second for Jose Alvarado to decide if he's taking his extra year or not. And, and we can talk that when we get to basketball, but I'm sure that's not a, uh, a fun position for a coach to be waiting, expecting, trying to pencil in lineups, how to use your scholarships, uh, all that uh, the all spreadsheets that just got so much harder and the consultants have to work so much harder hey if if we're gonna rip off enough of scd i'll uh, crib matt brown here and say billable hours are undefeated so billable hours are always undefeated let's talk let's talk more breakout potential i think we mentioned henry ford in this space i think he would have been a good fit for the dh spot alas someone has signed him away oh no I just had a horrible thought. Henry Ford would be the perfect Georgia Tech athlete. I now know where you're going with this. Uh, Finish the statement. man. Finish the statement. You could put him in the wreck and that would sell like every program or, you know, like. I'm I'm going to make video, like put him in the back on on the rumble seat. Like, yes, this is me. And then I'm going to make sure that I have his name correct. Because otherwise, I think I'm going to be disappointed. Okay, Henry. Well, he was we're so dumb, scary. Oh my goodness. Okay, wait. This is this guy is committed to UVA. I'm looking for class of 2021. Dude, it's Harry Ford. Harry. Okay, his name is Harry, not Henry. I. I that's what I thought. I was going to say, how did I never realize that? I look at the sheet. I'm like, that's too perfect. Okay. Well, it's Harry Ford. I apologize for having that written down wrong. He would be in the spot. He would be. He probably would be a good DH. Alas, he got drafted by Seattle. Seattle? Okay. Yeah, well, first round. Not bad. I mean, he was like a top five pick. So, um, pretty pretty good for him. I mean, he's going to be making like three point eight million dollars of signing bonus. So, the only question left is: Are you going to cut out that horrible gaff of me talking about the wreck and us? No, we're leaving it in. <laughs> no, we're leaving. Uh, uh, moving, moving right along. Tech did get a couple transfers. Um, I think one of them was an outfielder. Again, we podcast so well. One of them was an outfielder. One of them was middle infield. Uh, one of them was exceptionally fast on the base paths, too. I think he had 40 steals. A couple were middle infielders. So we went from question mark in terms of returning, uh, returning talent there to, okay, now we got two, three options. And uh, – Hey, maybe maybe we'll pull a Louisville and start lighting up the base paths. So I kind of like that. That's it's it's a bit of a dice roll. I'm kind of a, a risk averse guy, but if if Tech can step it up on the base paths, I, I think that would uh, maybe make us a little bit more dangerous, especially with the uh, ability of one Mister Parada to hit lots and lots and lots of doubles. So mm-hmm. having people in scoring position is very helpful. Yeah, and uh, I think. 
moving right down the line here, Jaden Jackson was a really good uh, second base option. Uh, second base and shortstop, I think. He did get injured in one of the regional games. Um, he was either the regional or the – he got injured in a postseason game. I don't remember which post, part of the postseason uh, and had to come out. I think it was a concussion. But um, he, he was pretty good in, in, in the stretches that he had. Um, Brinkowski was also a stand-in for Colin Hall for most of the year. Um, we haven't talked about Colin Hall all that much, but he was injured for a good chunk of the year, I think. Um, Why did he come back? That's my biggest question, I think, on the year. Because he just ate at bats and innings when he was when he was back, right? Now, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rag on someone for making personal decisions. I think there's there's a value to having veteran leadership. Obviously, like no, I meant I meant in the lineup during the season. Like if he was injured, just throwing him into the postseason just seems mean. Mm. Right, go bat against Bandy. <laughs> it's a choice. It's a choice someone can make. It's a choice someone did make. Yeah, uh, but but Grinkowski was pretty good in the at-bats that he got. I mean, he was like oh, yeah, the yeah. glove and the bat were serviceable. I mean, serviceable might be undercutting it. I think his, his glove was pretty good. Uh, bat was, I mean, bat was good, productive. Yeah. We're going to get to see a lot more of him this season. Um, yeah. And then we, we already talked about, you know, the recruiting class, the recruiting churn. It, it's still The engine is still revving. The engine is still moving. Um, I don't really have problems with the pipeline there. Uh, it's just in moving sort of into what we're looking for this season, it's can they translate that talent, especially the, that arm talent that they're getting in, into wins, consistent bullpen performances, and then regional performances. I mean, you look, you look at this, uh, this recruiting class, obviously – Stinks not to have Harry Ford, um, but it's a shortstop, Christian Campbell, and then pitcher, 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 outfielder, pitcher, pitcher, shortstop, outfielder, pitcher. Like that, they there's clearly an identified need there, right? And hopefully, hopefully the cream rises to the top. And it's the same thing that softball did. We talked about this last week. Softball realized that they had a need at pitcher, and they brought in three of them. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll have to see if that pays off, but at least identifying an obvious need, we have to, okay. Identifying an obvious need sounds mean, but we have to give them credit for filling, filling spaces. Right. Yep. And I think that's the kind of what you see a little bit at the MLB level too, in, in some schools of thought of like, Hey, like you never really know how an arm's going to develop take a couple shots at it, get some good depth, get some good prospects and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, quickly, because both of us are missing Olympic swimming now, uh, we should run through the conference. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about how underrated the conference was by the national seating. This oh, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I I'm not going to pull any punches on that. We can talk all we want and be opinionated about how Tech could have been better at this, yada, yada, better at that. But the fact of the matter is the ACC took a necessary step in a pandemic and guaranteed some schedules by playing 12 conference series. What that also did was tank everybody's RPI because everybody's taken, you know, if you're playing six more conference games, then that's, you know, the, 
the conference is going to go 500 in those games instead of, you know, you're playing Western Carolina and you're sweeping them 27 to five, you know, um, that hurts tech and, and it hurts the rest of the ACC. Also, the the primary problem, you mentioned RPI, but the only reason this ended up being a problem is because for once the committee used RPI as a, like, as the deciding metric in a year where you knew that RPI wasn't going to mean anything because there was no cross-conference play or or very cross-conference play. Yeah. Like, um, and and the fact that, Hey, we're going to release these 20 potential host sites rather than, you know, like, like how would that have meaningfully changed COVID exposure by just waiting until the top 16 teams were decided because you lock in Notre Dame and Pittsburgh as the only two schools that could possibly host. And this is immediately before Pittsburgh and podcasting straight into the ground implosion tech won the coastal because it had a pretty good end to the year, but also because Pittsburgh had a pretty bad end to the year. Um, So yes, the conference was underrated. This is the first year the coastal winner was not a national seed in probably 15 years. Um, I, Danny Hall was quoted on it. I cannot remember off the top of my head what it was. There are a lot of, there are a lot of people both on, on the team and in, you know, local media that were uh, agitated oh, about yes. the, uh, about it's, it's a, it, I'm of two minds on it because if you watch this George, if you watch the 2021 Georgia Tech baseball team cover to cover, like both of us did, I do not think in a vacuum they were deserving of a regional seat. Nope. At the same time, history, historic trends dictate that you do this, you're probably good enough to earn a national seat. I, it's, it's a tough calculus. Well, and if you look at how the season came down, the Coastal was very much a victim, and the ACC in general was very much a victim of basically most teams besides – Mm, Wake Forest and Boston College, not to pick on anyone, beating each other up, right? Tech swept North Carolina State early in the season. That's the same North Carolina State team that, you know, top top four in the country, rehashing that whole COVID debate, blah, 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 whatever. Virginia, a team that was not really in the picture for the coastal race late in the season, goes, wins a regional that is hosted in Columbia, wins a super regional hosted in Columbia and plays their way again into, into Omaha. This is, you know, Miami, Miami underperformed Louisville. Louisville was a top 10 team kind of sputtered down the stretch, didn't make the tournament, but these, these are good teams, right? This is a Duke team that came out of the seller of the ACC to win the conference. Who granted some of that's who's hot, who's not. But this is an ACC that top to bottom, I believe, was rather underrated. And, and maybe, maybe that top 16 team shouldn't be Georgia Tech, but it should have been someone. And that, that, that's a shame. Notre Dame, as 10 seed, probably should have been top eight, probably should have hosted the Super Regional. But I guess that's life, you know? Like, can't, can't relitigate a season that already happened, right? Uh, Except maybe unless, you're, unless if you're NC State. Yeah, that, that's a different can of worms. But that is a different can of – it's not even worms at that point. It's like a can of scorpions. 
Yeah, and, and and at the same time, if Tech hosts, then the Coastal winner doesn't have to go on the road to Vandy and take the second best the team. Coastal the winner doesn't have to have the worst possible draw in the tournament and no. go to Nashville to play nationally ranked. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And they still they still took them to death twice. I, I've said that plenty of times already today, and, and I'll continue to beat that horse. We've touched on this, but I think this pivots into the conference outlook for next year. Notre Dame, uh, possibly good again, question mark. We have uh, – I, I, I like what they're doing there. Um, I thought they were fun to watch this year, and they looked pretty convincing against us, and I thought we were not bad either. Um, North Carolina State and Virginia went to the College World Series. Obviously, there's some losses there. There's some question marks, but – um, two out of eight ain't bad. Um, Louisville lost uh, a great catcher. <laughs> that it's always tough to see a, a player go first overall. That that's how you know you lost a good talent. But they've been consistently excellent the entire time they've been in the ACC, and their addition to our baseball strength has been, I think, probably rather underrated when we talk about how the last phase of conference realignment affected uh, the ACC, especially okay. considering Syracuse okay. literally was nothing. But uh, Notre Dame, Louisville, recent additions, Pittsburgh for a while there this year, not so bad. Pittsburgh was really rattling some cages early. Oh, this yeah. Year. Oh, yeah. Um, other things. Uh, Miami, seriously underwhelmed. I think they'll probably be back next year. Uh, I think they probably could have done a lot more this year. Um, FSU, I mean, they're pretty much always good. Duke won the conference. UNC, they'll reload. They were kind of on the wire. Like – like we've said, the ACC was good and weird this year. And <laughs> the more I talk about this, the more I'm nervous for next year. But the, the a rising tide lifts all ships, right? The ACC being a top-to-bottom good baseball conference, we haven't even said the name Clemson yet today, right? And, and that's a historically good ACC baseball program, too. I think my life is a lot less stressful without mentioning the name Clemson, personally. <laughs> I, I would agree. Um yeah, I don't know if you have anything else on the future of the ACC, but I think the conference top to bottom will be pretty darn good next year. No, I don't really have anything else to say. I think it's just hard to project because we're sitting here in July, barely two months after the season has ended. We're not really all that far clear of the draft. We're not really that far clear of like the transfer portal cleaning itself out. It's just, it's hard to really say anything until October. Anything more concrete, at least, until, until October scrimmages. Um, and then even more concrete than that um, until January or February. Uh, it's just, that's the way the sport works. And we, uh, but, you know, we run the shop. So uh, it's not like we're going to not do what we want with our previous shows. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's more, it was more of a review show, but at the same time, I think we all had fun with that. I mean, for those who are just tuning in and this is your first episode, we do these previews in reverse orders. So that way they're freshest for the fall sports. Uh, so if you're looking back in the archives for, Hey, football, volleyball, uh, those are coming up. Um, but this is a long episode tonight because we have quite the white elephant in the room to talk about. Right. I'm re- also, you mix two idioms. White <laughs> elephant. Oh my God. All right, there is a strong possibility I cut this episode in half 
Hello, this is Akshay checking in from the editing room. I did end up cutting this episode in half, so you're, if you're interested in the second part of this discussion, which is on ACC and conference realignment, go check out the next episode in your podcatcher. Other than that, y'all have a great week, and we will see you next time. Oh, so-